Thank you for joining us for this week's sermon podcast from the First United Methodist Church of Parable. As we've been doing through Advent here, reading both from the prophet Isaiah as well from the Gospels, today we look at Isaiah 35 and then from the Gospel according to Luke. Uh, both of these scriptures will be on the screen, but they're also in the bulletin, and you may uh, even have brought your own Bible and you want to turn there yourself. So beginning with Isaiah chapter 35, verse 1, and hear these words of Scripture. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it, the majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are of fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. He will come with vengeance and terrible recompense. He will come and save you. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. The lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the speechless sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness, streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals shall become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for God's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. No lion shall be there, nor nor shall there be any ravenous beast come upon it. They shall not be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. From the Gospel according to Luke in chapter 1 verse 39. In those days Mary set out and went with haste to a Judean town in the hill country where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the child leapt in her womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her by the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, for holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones, lifted up the lowly, filled the hungry with good things, sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. May God bless our reading of the Holy Scriptures and let us say together, Amen, Amen. Will you pray, pray with me? Holy God, we pray with thanksgiving in our hearts as we gather around these ancient and holy words. We give thanks for the communities of faith who have cared for them and shared them, even sharing them with us here today. God, we ask that you would speak through these words of Scripture, that you would be at work in our songs of praise, in our moments of fellowship, that you would bless our giving. May all of our acts of worship be worthy of you as we gather today. These things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. 
Today is the third Sunday of Advent. You'll notice as the Elmores came forward that they lit the pink candle. So today is a special day. The other candles are purple. Today is the pink candle. It's the third Sunday of Advent, and that's known as Gaudete Sunday. In the season of Advent, we, we offer our confessions, we repent, we name the ways in which we have fallen short of God. And so it's a season of penitence and, and coming to, to bear our, our sins and, and, and confession and worship. But today is a day of, of joy and celebration. Today is supposed to be a different Sunday in the Sundays of Advent. And so we come today to celebrate. And I'm going to try to get us there a little bit in the sermon today, thinking about the joy that has marked our lives and the joy we share in this holy season. I, of course, uh, like to spend a lot of time outdoors. You all know that. I love to do outdoor activities, camping, hunting, hiking, fishing. Been outside a whole lot in my life. And there's only been one occasion in all of those outdoor activities that I have truly uh, felt lost. Uh, Jill and I went with some friends from college with their family and some other families. They rented a lodge somewhere in the Ozarks, northwest Arkansas. Some, sometime when we were in college, I don't remember all the details, but we went with them to share in this weekend lodge getaway. And one of the fathers there, a particularly uh, confident man, he instructed us that on the uh, next day, Saturday morning, we would all get up and go hiking together. Now, mind you, this is in the days before cell phone technology and the way that we have it now we didn't have gps's in our pockets and so you would presume that we were going to go hiking on a trail not so not with this man right uh, he had his own plan i didn't know the guy very well so it's easy for me to talk about him today uh, he had his own plan right he was going to lead us down this this dry gravel bed and we were going to hike down to this one valley and we were going to come back out on an old logging road and we would come back to the lodge let me tell you, it did not go like that, all right? Uh, we ended up down in the valley looking at maps, as this hiker is doing here, uh, wondering what direction to go, unable to return the direction we had come. And my heart began to fill with a lot, a lot of holy anger uh, toward this individual who had led us astray. I don't know if you've ever been lost like that, but that one day I will never forget because it was so unsettling, right? How long will it take for us to get back? What will it mean to get back? What are we even doing? Where are we trying to go? How will we be found? Today we read from Isaiah 35, and I hope you noticed as I was reading that this section strikes a different tone than the other readings we've shared in the, this season of Advent. Isaiah, I'll remind you, one of our longest books in the Old Testament. It's a prophetic book. It offers a visions, hopes, it makes claims about God's work in the world. But Isaiah is such a lengthy book that, that the tone within Isaiah's writing changes as you read it. And we believe that to be the case because Isaiah was probably written over multiple decades. Right? We sometimes talk about early Isaiah or first Isaiah, second or middle Isaiah, and third Isaiah. And the reason we do that is because it seems to be when Isaiah is writing uh, that the prophet is talking about different experiences uh, that's, that's going on there with the people of Israel. And today, I hope you heard this real distinct exclamation, right? This, this, real, this real claim about when we return. When we return. Which leads us to believe, right, as, as modern readers, when we're reading from Isaiah 35 and other sections in the prophet Isaiah, that we're reading something that was written or that was shared during the time of exile. Now, we won't unpack all of the Old Testament history, but I'll just remind you that Babylonian exile is one of the key events in the Old Testament as Babylon comes in and, and sacks the city of Jerusalem and takes many of its leading people back to Babylon, turns them into slaves, and, and the people of Judea, the people of Jerusalem, their, their community and their religious worship, their economy, all of it was destroyed. And so when we read Isaiah 35, we think we're reading something that comes from the time of exile. And so Isaiah offers this vision of, of when we return 
We read some of those words just a moment ago. You can look at them there in your own, in your own bulletin. The wilderness will become a dry land, right? The desert will rejoice and blossom. We will see the glory of the Lord, the majesty of our God. We will have strength in our weak hands and in our feeble knees. And so when we read Isaiah, what, what we're reading is, is a community that finds themselves in a particularly difficult and challenging circumstance, this moment of exile. And yet at the same time in Isaiah, we read this really stubborn, dogmatic commitment to joy. Despite our current circumstances, despite the reality of exile and slavery, despite this moment that we find ourselves, Isaiah says there, there will be a future for us. We will return. And when we return, our lives will be marked with such joy and celebration. And the way to this return, Isaiah says, will be a highway, a holy way. And Isaiah even says, it's almost kind of funny what he says. He says, this highway will be so grand and so smooth and so wide and so easy that even fools will not go astray. In other words, what Isaiah is offering us this morning is, is this image of, of being lost in the wilderness, being lost on a hike, being lost in the woods, not for sure where to go or, or how to get out. And instead, having this, this commitment that there will be a, a path forward. As I was thinking about that image today, I was, I was thinking about our, our Eight Mile Creek Trail. I hope you've been out there and checked it out. Uh, we were at the, a number of us here at the church, uh, both who are involved with the city leadership and other citizens, were at the, the ribbon cutting for the Eight Mile Creek Trail. And uh, we were there, and the and mayor was speaking, and some other people were speaking. And Jim Jackson, is Jim in here this morning? He may go to the other service today. Jim Jackson walks up as we're preparing for the ribbon cutting, and he goes, what's going on? I was just here to run, <laughs> which was so funny. And so he waited on the the ribbon cutting to, to finish, and then he took off on his job. What Isaiah is offering us is sort of this image, right? Imagine being lost in the woods, lost in the wilderness, and compare that instead with a wide, flat, easy path. Isaiah says this will be the holy highway, and it will be so glorious and joyful, it will be so easy that even fools will not go astray. God will return us home, will bring us back to our place, and, and joy will fill our hearts again. When I read from Isaiah 35 or from other sections there in the middle of Isaiah, you just get this sense of stubborn joy. That we will not let this moment of defeat or frustration or pain or fear, we will not let this moment define us. Because we know that joy awaits us. The Lord will save us and bring us home again. Uh, following the news, many of you are, of course, we get daily reports out of Ukraine and the continued conflict with Russia, the war, the attack. Uh, this last week, there was an a, a encouraging interview uh, with the mayor of Kiev. Of course, Kiev is a, a very old city, and, and they often decorate it for Christmas. You can look up uh, Christmas in Kiev and see some pictures from previous seasons, uh, beautifully decorated with trees and wreaths and lights. One of the tactics here in the war, of course, has been for Russia to attack Ukrainian infrastructure, and particularly electrical systems. And so Kyiv is now facing serious shortages of power, so they don't have all the electricity or the power they need, and when they do have power, they're asking citizens to conserve power and not to use any more power than necessary. And so this raises a pretty significant question at Christmas. Well, how can we decorate for Christmas if we can't put lights on our trees, lights around the city, lights around our wreaths? And so they asked the mayor this, how will the Russian war, how will this conflict affect the Christmas celebration this year? 
And he has this wonderful quote. He says, We will not let Putin steal our Christmas. We will not let Putin steal our Christmas. And they say, Well, how are you going to decorate if you, can't, if you can't use lights? And he says, We will put up the trees anyway. We'll put up the trees anyway, even if it means having trees in the dark. We will not let this moment steal our Christmas. Well, I like that kind of sense of stubborn joy, right? The reality on the ground may be difficult and challenging and painful. It's real. It's a disappointment. It's a frustration. But, but we're going to hold on to this joy that has been put in our hearts, knowing that God is near to us and that God will save us. Today in the Gospel of Luke, we begin the Christmas story in earnest here with the story of, of Mary and Elizabeth. I'll remind you a little bit of the background. If you have like a study Bible, these verses are titled The Visitation. The Visitation. So Elizabeth is the older cousin of Mary, and she is experiencing her own unlikely pregnancy. If we read the first few verses of the Gospel of Luke, you'll read that she was later in life. She didn't expect to be able to have children, and so it is with, with great joy and celebration that she has, has, has come to be pregnant. And so she is celebrating, giving thanks for God's work in her, right? And so we have Elizabeth, the older cousin, and then she is greeted by Mary, the younger cousin, who is also experiencing an unlikely pregnancy, right? Two women, both pregnant, but for different reasons and for different means. And so we have this wonderfully kind of um, intimate moment. Note that there are no men in this story, no men in this text. This is a story of two women, two unlikely kind of heroes of the story of Christmas and the story of Jesus, Elizabeth, the older cousin, and Mary, the young, unmarried virgin who's been selected by God to bear Emmanuel. Mary comes to Elizabeth. Of course, you know the context here, being young, being unmarried, being a virgin. There's all sorts of questions surrounding Mary's pregnancy. You can imagine the questions her family was asking, the concerns that Joseph has. And, and so she comes to Elizabeth looking for uh, some confirmation and for some help. And we have this wonderful moment. As Mary approaches Elizabeth, Elizabeth's own baby begins to move around in her tummy, right? Begins to uh, respond to, to, to the visit and, and to celebrate. And so Elizabeth says, what a, what a great moment. The mother of my Lord has come to me and my child is rejoicing. Now, this is a moment in Scripture that really only women probably can fully appreciate, but we can, we can get a sense of the excitement. I'll remind you that the, the baby that Elizabeth is carrying is John the Baptist, Right? So John the Baptist, the one who preaches about Jesus, the one who goes ahead of Jesus, here he is in the womb of his mother, already celebrating and dancing. I don't know if that's the move babies do, but something like that. Uh, already celebrating uh, Jesus' arrival. And so as Elizabeth begins to celebrate, she reflects that joy back to Mary. Mary hears in Elizabeth some affirmation. This is a good thing. Right? We're sharing in this joy together. This week as I was reading about... Gaudete Sunday, the pink candle celebrating in joy. I, I was reading some, some biblical commentaries, some theological commentaries, but, but I ended up in sort of some secular stuff, uh, ended up reading a, a, a journal from a, a psychological study. I want to read to you what they talk about in that journal in terms of sharing our joy with others. Now, this is going to sound really simple, uh, but it comes from an actual research journal, uh, Measured Data. Now, here's what the psychologists say. Researchers found that people who habitually talk to people they are close with about the good things that are happening to them tend to feel happier and more satisfied with their life. I want you to kind of hear that again. People who talk to other people about the good things that are happening in them tend to feel happier and more satisfied. 
Well, that's, that seems sort of obvious, right? But it's, but it's maybe not always the case, right? Often it's the case when we talk to other people, we want to talk about the problems and the challenges. We want to talk about gossip or the disappointments or politics or whatever it is, right? We often come sort of bearing our, our griefs and our disappointments and our frustrations. And what this research found, right, is, it, is that people who are more willing to share the, the joys, the more active they are in sharing their joys with others, the more active they are in receiving the joys of others, then that, that happiness begins to compound, Right? It makes you even more joyful to tell people what makes you joyful, right? If you tell people what makes you happy, they tell you what makes them happy, you tend to both be happier together. Something like that's happening here in the visitation. Both of these women are experiencing unlikely pregnancies, surprise pregnancies, and yet they come together and the joy is compounded. Mary hears in Elizabeth an affirmation and a confirmation. John the Baptist is celebrating Jesus' presence. It's kind of a simple truism. I think we know this to be true, but it's good to be reminded our joy is compounded when we share it with others. It could be simple things, right? Like a, a, a young child receives student of the month, right? Well, we got to tell people. We've got to put it on Facebook. We've got to share it with others. Look at this joyful thing. It could be bigger things. Our, our children graduate high school or college. They go to college. They start careers. We want to share with other people. Look what's happening in our lives. We, uh, we experience a marriage in our family, a, a new pregnancy, a new child, a third or fourth child, grandchildren, things that bring us joy. We want to share with other people. There's kind of a spiritual element to that, right? The more joy we share, the more joy we receive, the more joy we all experience. The joy is compounded as we share it with one another. Now, as Mary hears these words of affirmation from uh, Elizabeth, she uh, opens up in this uh, lengthy prayer, Luke 1, 46 through 55. You might uh, commit it to memory in the same way that you have done the Lord's Prayer. Some commentators I read said that you could compare this scene to a Broadway musical. Uh, The characters have been moving along. The plot's been moving along. We're getting a sense of the narrative. We know this is the Christmas story. And then at, at verse 46, everything sort of stops. And Mary kind of steps forward, and the spotlight is just on her. Everything else is in the background. And she sings this beautiful song. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And then she goes on to do some prophetic preaching, not unlike Isaiah. She talks about who God is and what, how, how God has worked in the world, how God has been faithful to generations in the past, how God will be faithful to generations in the future. Mary gives this wonderful sermon, this, this eight or nine verse sermon about the character of God, and this brings her joy. My soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices. We have in Mary this sort of celebration. A song and dance, right? A moment where everything else fades to the background. All of the other elements of the story are put on pause. And there's just this brief moment of excitement and, and singing along and, and, and giving thanks. Now, the story of Mary, of course, is so unique. We would never, uh, we would never compare ourselves to, to Mary or try to put ourselves in her shoes because of this unique responsibility she's been given. But we, but we can make some parallels in thinking about her her moment of joy and celebration in maybe our own lives. I wonder this morning, what would make you, what would make you hit pause on, on your life so you could just have a moment to sing to the Lord, to celebrate and dance? What would make everything else fade into the background so you could give thanks for who God is and what God has done? 
Here are maybe some examples. Perhaps for you it would be news that someone close to you who has been sick is now getting better. For many of us, that would be cause for celebration. Perhaps for some of our, our neighbors around the globe, it would be news that war has ended, that peace has come. Perhaps for some of us, it would be that concerns of weather and flooding and storms have ceased. For some of us, it would be that our financial woes have now relaxed. For some of us, it would be that we have now received that job we've most longed for. When we read Mary's Magnificat, what we ought to read there is this invitation to express your joy, to, to put everything else on hold and to just throw your hat in the air, Mary Tyler Moore style, right? And to dance around and to sing to the Lord, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices within me. I wonder for you what it would be like to have reason to sing to the Lord and to express your joy this morning. As I told you, today is the third Sunday of Advent, the pink candle. Uh, young Miss Randleman asked last week, she said, why are one of these candles pink, right? Why do we have this different candle up here? Well, we have this pink candle because of all the Sundays in Advent. Today is supposed to be a day of celebration and joy. Now, joy does not necessarily come easy. Most of you know it's been a challenging couple of weeks here in our church and our community to uh, un, unwanted and, and unlike, unlikely funerals have left many of us grieving, many of our hearts broken. It seems that those feelings of grief have been compounded by short, gray, rainy days. Uh, yesterday, Chase said, oh, I, I really need some sunshine, right? Which I took both to be a, a kind of a fact and a metaphor, right? We could really use some sunshine. Today on this day of rejoicing, I want to suggest to you that these scriptures have given us at least three lenses for thinking about the joy in our lives. Isaiah invites us to a stubborn joy, a stubborn joy, that despite finding ourselves in difficult and trying circumstances, despite being in moments of pain and loss and grief, that we are committed to the joy of the Lord, that we know the joy of the Lord is still in our souls and we know that it's out there ahead of us. And Isaiah invites us to hang on to our joy even in difficult circumstances. Mary and Elizabeth invite us to share our joy with one another. Share your joy with one another, the joy that you experience in your life, the joy that comes from your family or your job or your friends, the good things that you've witnessed in your life. Share that with other people. Be willing to receive the joy that comes from other people's lives, not in a sense of jealousy or competition, but, but let us mark our joy, let us name our joy, let us compound our joy by sharing it with others. And then lastly, Mary invites us to express our joy. Express your joy. Sing when you feel like singing. Dance if you want to dance. Take a run around the neighborhood. Let that joy that's within you come forth. Name the joy and give it back to God. The Spirit of the Lord rejoices within me. I invite you today, this Sunday, this week, whatever of those three work for you, if it's stubborn joy, if it's shared joy, if it's expressed and celebrated joy, however it is for you today, rejoice in the Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. Holy God, we give thanks that you have given us so many reasons to share in joy. The joy of the Lord, the joy of our shared fellowship in church, the joy of our salvation, the joy of your continued work in our lives, even in difficult circumstances. God, make us people of joy. 
Give us reason to sing and to share. Give us a sense of stubborn commitment to your joy and goodness. These things in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First United Methodist Church by going to our website at www.fumcparagold.org. May God bless you this week.